All right, welcome back to the next episode of Inside the Loop, the podcast about all things tech in the city of Chicago. Today we have joining us Anj Fiami. He's the CEO of Rivet. Rivet is an AI-driven CRM that allows artists and creators to use machine learning to identify their highest potential fans by generating actions and automations to increase revenue. Anj, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Nice to meet everyone. Yeah, really excited to have you on. Um, one thing that makes Anj unique of anybody we've talked to is he is the most recent transplant to Chicago. We will get all into that, but what, what we like to do generally early on is just kind of kick off with the Anj origin story. Tell us about early life, kind of early start and input to your career. Yeah, so I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, to a family of artists, um, a rapper and musician myself, uh, was inspired by, in high school, a couple of rap groups that got started. So naturally started our own rap group as well in high school, uh, played some gigs, um, and, and we're doing pretty well. We're good. And after high school, we all split up, started making music solo myself, um, and then went to college, studied in Boston, uh, engineering at MIT, and continued to do my music career. And I guess this kind of is, is leading into founder story, but the idea for Rivet came out of frustration putting out my second album, and we could talk a little bit more about that, but that's kind of the, the condensed version of my, my origin story. Sure. Sure. So I, I watched some videos of you kind of preparing for the podcast and I was, cool. I want to kind of go further back in time, right? Because you described yourself on one of these pitches that you gave as a nightmare student. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You saw that. Yeah. No, I thought, I thought it was a, a cool, like really human interest kind of presentation. Um, what's interesting to me are these people that have both this sort of analytical side and the creative side to their brain. Was there, was there ever, you know, a decision to go fully into music. Um, I know now it's kind of like a passion. It's something you do on the side, or was this something that was always a hobby that you kind of just fulfilled that creative side of your brain, but you were always sort of mission driven. Yeah. I think, I think there was, there was a point where I really wanted to do it as like a full career. Um, and hopefully if Rivet is successful, it allows me to do that again. Um, but the, there were, I think, three main things. One was school, one was music, and then the last was soccer. And I wanted to be a professional soccer player, like almost every Nigerian sure. kid. Um, <laughs> and but like I know everyone kind of says that, but I was actually decently good um, and could have done it, I think. Um, but it's I don't know. Nigerian parents tend to be more pragmatic, um, right. and and so it's it's a lot harder to get those types of dreams off um but those i'd say were the, the three main things that i was focused on and i think one of the reasons why i was really picked where i went to school and picked the sorts of things that i did was um it was a different type of of program where you didn't have to like choose what you wanted to do and then you were stuck in that throughout your 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 like time there you basically came everyone just went in and then you could do whatever you wanted and kind of tailor it and figure out what your different interests were so minor in as many things as you wanted double mm -hmm. major pick up different concentrations and get involved and so i ended up minoring in theater arts i did a lot of stuff with the music department and so like and, and while i was still doing engineering so i felt like i could still explore a lot of those things at a really high level and that ended up guiding what i ended up doing um but those i would say were the main things that I guess uh, gave me color early on. And then in terms of what I said about being a problem student, like I was just like very, uh, just very stubborn, very, um, yeah. very, uh, I guess an uncle once says like smart by half. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be a little bit punk rock. To yeah. be a disruptor, right? Yeah. 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 I, I, I can resonate with that. And I wasn't thinking about being a disruptor then. I was just like yeah. that person. But yeah, just yeah. inheriting who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. You got a chemical engineering degree at MIT? Yeah. What was the decision there? Uh, so the main goal before anything else was to go back to Nigeria, work on renewable energy problems. And I did a lot of my research 
in renewable energy, bioremediation while at school. And so even when I thought I would be an entrepreneur early on, it was probably, I thought it'd probably be in the context of energy, ended up being um, outside of that. But that was why I went and studied chemical engineering. I think now more so it's skewing more towards um, software for Nigerians going to college. But Mm -hmm. there was also a time where most Nigerians were chemical engineers for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. I think probably <laughs> Nigeria is very oil rich and maybe yeah. just like a lot of your parents and what they did and what you see yeah. around you. But that was also a thing that I think subconsciously impacted or influenced. Interesting. So you came, so you originally came to the U.S. for school. That was the first time you kind of came over or you yeah. were here before? Yeah. And so you did chemical engineering and then you decided... So this is my fake accent. That is like <laughs> from from listening to years of, of U.S. hip-hop and, ah, and U.S. See. movies and just trying to talk like them. Could have been worse. You could have picked up a Boston accent while you were Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, yeah. At least you didn't get I any of that. hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. So you, so you graduated from IT chemical engineering and decide I'm not going to do anything in that space or you did initially go into that world? Mostly research. Uh, yeah. a little bit and then started doing this and then you were also doing the rapping career at the time or yes you... okay so at the time were you very focused on like, hey i actually want to become a rapper or that was kind of the main goal yes and you're still making music right or no i am still making music i have a video coming out on sunday um, an album Ooh. an album in the summer but there's been like a huge lag probably for like a year, year and a half where I haven't really been and been focused on getting Rivet off the ground, sure. which is why I paused a little bit there. Yeah. Um, but I'm not retired. He is the Frank Ocean. I love <laughs> yeah. it. We're going to yeah. link the video. Back. Link the video. Yeah. Rapping and yeah. software development. I will show Listen. up to my performances. <laughs> yes. And, and I will make you wait eight years. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Hopefully, uh, yeah, in the next year or so, we yeah. can see what yeah. this music's all yeah. about. But so you had so you said you were saying you had frustrations uh, with your album release. Yeah. So can you tell us about that and then kind of how that went into starting Rivet? Yeah. So it was really not understanding who had come to a show, who had bought something from me, who had engaged with me in some mm. way in the past. And every time I wanted to use that information in any way going forward, say for this new release, it was extremely frustrating to use, track down that information and actually just use it. And so paused creations of my own and started trying to solve that problem first for myself. And then went on to talk to people that I either worked with, producers, um, other artists, and friends of those artists to just validate if this was a problem that other people were having. And then I found that um, that problem wasn't just mine and asking them about how they were nurturing their communities, how they were harnessing data from their fan interactions, and how they were actually using it. And so through iterations um, and through a couple pivots and, and now with the team that, that I'm working with, um, we started building this current version of Rivet, which I think solves the most pressing problem. But very early on, we were just trying to hack together things based off of what people were, were saying they were facing after I found that that problem wasn't just mine. Mm, but so the initial kind of problem... Age I think, so it kind of walks you through the steps to have a viable venture. And one of the early mm. steps is a high level brochure, mm-hmm. which is you just sketch out stuff. I guess now it's essentially a... Like wireframing. Mm-hmm. So we started with that, showing people that, seeing what would, uh, what people were saying based off of that. And then very early, we were just hustling, me and my co-founder, to just have something that people could play with that was very, very jank, but that could take away some of the abstraction and the conversations that we were having. So we worked to have that very, very early on. And I would say... I would say uh, that was kind of like the first, I guess, milestone where we like really felt like we were now doing something. So I viewed it as kind of primary market research, understanding people, showing them some wireframes. And then we went and just said, can we just get something really quickly? The first version was kind of like a website page with us like sending emails ourselves on the back end. And um, I think once we had at least that, that someone could log into, that someone could at least in a demo give us feedback on was the earliest version of of the product i think so what did your first like sale look like did you have like a small group of users that you were close with in your community that ended up picking this up i just it strikes me that this story feels like it was very organic it doesn't feel like you necessarily said hey i want to be an entrepreneur and i'm going to start this business it was like it started with your problem internalizing that and then finding that you weren't the only one who had that problem. So how did you sort of go from maybe designing something for like yourself and your peers to then turning and making the sale to new customers? Yeah, I think what 
what uh, started that for us, I would say, was the the first thing that it, that I guess the book says is like once you make something, uh, like start with your friends, and it just so happened that the friends that I had were people that were kind of in the target. Yeah. So I I showed it to those people early on, and I the first hundred or so people who we ever spoke to or showed product to was direct network effects from either producer I'd worked with and mm-hmm. I asked for and every time I'd have those conversations or show people I would leave the call with can you introduce me to three to five more people um that are just your friends that you create with or that come through to the studio and and that was how um we started to build initial word of mouth and get more people to use the product and talk to us. So it sounds like there was some real like organic demand pull from the market to like build this product right like it was almost like once you sort of had something there there was a really organic like community of people who had the same issue we're really like pulling you guys it sounds like for new product and new advances is yeah. that is that fair yeah and i would say within i think it's it's well documented just that like artists are dissatisfied with a lot of the economics right. of of music and and creators <laughs> Um, the boom that we've seen in the last couple of years and people are just more focused on how they can own more, how they can sell more, how they can build careers. So when you go to someone and you tell them that you're working full time on solving this problem for them, there's always that initial, oh, wow, this person sees that they're interested in what I'm doing. So there's that hook and, and that, I guess, interest in wanting to talk to us further. And then hearing further that, oh, you actually speak my language, you're actually going through this, was also the other thing that we leaned to a lot early on. Um, and I would say that that was, was what really helped with when we got just kind of organic or word of mouth or referrals or people just like reaching out. Awesome. You mentioned your co-founder. Tell us about that story. How did you meet? How did you know that was the right person to build a business with? Yeah, we did projects together. So we TA'd a class together an engineering leadership program, which was focused on taking all these bright young engineers and giving them soft skills to actually be able to work in industry. Um, so I think that is kind of a good sign early on that you meet in that context. Um, mm. Both smart, but like you actually care about improving your, um, I don't know, being well-adjusted in yeah. society-ness, if that's a, a term. <laughs> um, and... We met in that, we tiered that class together, did a couple of projects together, and she then went on to work in aerospace and defense, and I kept plugging away at Rivet, and we, I think when we got into Techstars Boston was kind of when it started to be a little bit more legit and uh, validated that there was potentially a business here, Um, and she had just been keeping track of our of my progress, always asking questions, Mm. always like essentially working two jobs and sometimes like trying to spending more time, uh, especially entire weekends and spending pretty much every time that she wasn't at her other job working with me on this. And so when that happened, we had the conversation. I had always wanted her to leave her job, but I couldn't really, (laughs) couldn't really. It's a big ask. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't really just be like, leave your job. Um, but after this, I was like, oh, things are going pretty well. Like, yeah, we yeah should, to, to yeah. have a validator to leave a paycheck and benefits. Yeah, and right. Right now you're early. Like, this yeah. is like, whatever this is going to be, like, you get most of it. Like, so um, that was early conversations, and, and she came on full-time on, on Pi Day, um, which is right. a very nice. nerdy thing. Um, but, yeah, 314 <laughs> is very special uh, with Rivet, and her birthday's 324, my birthday's 318, so that wow, whole, like, nice. stretch of time is is pretty important to us. It's it's, be a fun did week. you do yeah. uh, Techstars Boston by yourself then, or was she on board at that time? She was, like, part-time. Okay. Yeah. So you graduated in May 21. You got in the winter cohort of Techstars Boston. We did November 2021 of Techstars Boston, and then graduated in February 22. So oh, nice. 22. races. Yeah. And then well, now we're off to the races. Feels okay. like a lot of things to juggle all at once. A lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things. And and I think um I think what was what was uh what I learned the most from that I think was one, just like this notion of you're just always selling, like selling her to join team full time, quit her job, selling other people to join our team, selling um 
the accelerator or other investors to to come on the journey or um getting advisors or mentors to to give us their advice and to believe in what we're doing and that whole um notion that all of that starts with me and needs to just be kind of a consistent thing um even when you have people on board like you still are like getting them to buy in further yeah. um was i think the biggest learning that from that period where everything was going on and, f- and f- just really honing in on the fact that that was the most important thing to focus on while like every and, and everything else would kind of i mean it doesn't solve itself but like it's easier to solve the other stuff if, if you start from there yeah so after tech stars how did you get in touch with drive capital yeah after tech stars um so moment of vulnerability we went out to to try to raise uh right after in april and Mm. failed um and i think in part due to the market was 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 crushed at the time and um i think honestly we just probably did better the second time because we had done the first time and actually just learned from that yeah but yeah it was really rough period and it was also like right before the summer where everything slows down so like you you can imagine you got to try to raise doesn't work and then it's the summer when you really can't raise so you're just looking at like five to six months where you're like oh like what's gonna happen um then we got into this accelerator called visible hands that backs Mm -hmm. uh underrepresented founders and that represented for us the opportunity to kind of just take a step back do the accelerator really focus on more traction um through the accelerator and um building relationships in that and come up with a new strategy to go out in the fall um so that's what we did and then it's it's kind of a drive capital specifically i I spoke about this actually two weeks ago about that's just whenever i talk about this i always just say people should when they're doing the process like the fundraising process at least what i learned is just open yourself up fully to the process and while you're in it so you can't fundraise all the time because it takes a lot from everything else that you're doing. But while you're in it, if you can just focus and just open yourself up to everything, mm-hmm. um, you just things can happen that you don't expect. Yeah. So how the drive capital thing happened is because I took an intro to Landon, who um, I think he was even just starting his investment journey. And, and really, the intro was because he was a podcast creator and we're working on a creative platform. Mm-hmm. So to meet him in that context. and if I'm fundraising and trying to make sure we get money and um, don't die, I really should not just be like, like I should prioritize investor conversations. Right. Um, to, not just I guess every customers. Yeah. Sure. But like, yeah. Yeah. But we were also focused mostly first on, on musicians. So like, and he's a podcaster, like there's just reasons why I could have at least maybe punted it or, or whatever. Right. Right. But I'm like, Oh, this intro came from an investor who actually even passed on us. Um, so another reason why you might not even take it but yeah. i was like i was like what i'm in the process i'm meeting people and i'm just i didn't even think of in the investment context i was just i'm in the process yeah, I'm yeah. In the, a period where i'm talking to a lot of people so i'll just talk um and we talked and then the conversation started to go to drive capital stuff and he obviously understands this because he's a creator has been focused more on ai tools and and then he was like oh i'm doing this thing at drive capital like yeah would you be interested in like talking i was like yeah, absolutely. And that's how the process started. So that's like the most non-traditional. It wasn't like he was in my CRM. We had like a whole strategy right. to target him. It was just because I did the process and was just open to a new connection. Yeah, it seems like a natural fit. We've had Lando on the podcast, yeah. getting to know him and since getting to know you, right? It seems like a really good fit. You guys were first investment out of the, this new fund, right? Yeah. That's amazing. So Landon really was... Going out on a limb. That, he was yeah. going out on a limb. I mean, this was number were one. We're the first. I, I, uh. I, we're, we're the first, like, three, because there's three of us now here. But okay. I, if we're the first, that's cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, don't yeah. call me on yeah. that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was correct. You can ask him when he's back. Based on yeah. the timing, it feels yeah. right. Yeah. We'll have to talk let, to Andrew outside of the let's deal. Go, let's go with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, so was that Drive then your first um, kind of official investor capital? Like, seed like capital? first institutional money? Institutional, yeah. Uh, it wasn't the it wasn't the first, but it was it was the biggest. Yeah, I can say that, and it was like the third. Hmm. Yeah, and the others are like pre seed funds that are much smaller. Um, but it was like the first, like really sizable. Yeah. Um, and a fund that's much bigger than the other funds. 
And so, so you get connected with Drive. Drive makes an investment. Yeah. And they're like, hey, as a condition of this, you got to move to Chicago. Is that kind of part of how that so went down? One thing. So I can tell you that, like, in Boston, it's actually, it's very hard to build anything consumer in Boston. Yeah. Mm. Yep, I can understand you know that. You know, uh, bioscience over there, basically. Yeah, it's like it's enterprise SaaS or it's biotech. Yeah, and it's it's so we did TechStars Boston, and that actually like now we pretty much know everyone in Boston. So I'm not even just saying this; like I can tell you, like that it's really hard to to find anyone consumer anything and to build consumer to raise money, um, in Boston for consumer. I think also that might even be a uh, part of the the April story of like trying to like build out from Boston and go from there. Um, So one, we were looking for an opportunity to leave Boston and actually like build the company altogether somewhere. And my co-founder Simran was based in Bay Area. Um, Our our other uh, founding engineer, Nafim, um, was based in Buffalo, Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty far. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So we're like, this actually is an opportunity for us to finally be together get that magic that you get from being all together in one place and then there's folks like cameo who built big creator companies here yep there's um song finch who is like creator company music tech company um and whose founders have been really cool to us since we moved here and so that opportunity to like not necessarily la or new york but somewhere that also is is a little bit more intimate but also has um good proxies for successful creator companies um, where we can actually build a company long term is the main reason why we're here and why we're trying to meet like other investors in the ecosystem. That is not the Boston ecosystem, but I love Boston. Well, and, and also, like I, do, yeah. I don't. And also, then, just like a great entertainment ecosystem exactly. too, right? Yeah. And and like a great entertainment and arts ecosystem right. that's that's a lot more vibrant. Um, that's a lot more robust than the Boston ecosystem. Right. So, how big was the team at this time? Three people. Three. Yeah. Was there? Was it? like consensus amongst the group or was there yeah. any yeah no everyone's super excited we've been like really interesting. I, I think so i i had one of the things that i think i just have learned from a lot of the ceos that i like i'm like a ceo fanboy like i have like yeah. ceos that are like the way people like find um i don't know like like drake is the way I like Frank Sloopman. Like, there's, like, certain people that I just, like, read about, watch their videos, and I'm, like, a fanboy of. So, like, certain things that I just read about them and how they inspire their teams and the types of things that they say, something that I just what was always saying, even though I, I, didn't, I didn't even know how we would get there or if it would happen, was, like, oh, yeah, we'll raise, and then we'll, like, find an office. We'll all live in the same, like, area, yeah. and then we'll start. Like, that'll be the new beginning. And I would always just say things like that. I'd be like, yeah, and then we'll kick off with, like, an offsite in yeah. some other country and, like, really yeah. just come. I would say things like that. And so I think hopefully they believed me. But when this happened, <laughs> I was like, okay, like, I've been saying all this stuff. Like, no, you, I'm actually doing you, it. You put it yeah. out into the universe yeah, yeah. and the universe manifests yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, so but they, the they Chicago piece in particular, because your other co-founder was in SF or the Bay Area, you yeah, said yeah. you're in Boston, the other one's in Buffalo, so arguably there's like New York is close to you, and then there's also, a, you know, SF, obviously the tech ecosystem is massive there, so like, yeah. what drew you guys to actually say like, yes to coming over here? Yeah, we want to build an, a place where we've seen like, really successful creator companies, Okay, so that and, is the main... and that's the big thing, Um, and also be close to Drive and Landon, and yeah. like, one of the, some of our early mentors have been giving us advice about I don't know the old days where like companies always used to be super close to their investors so you could just like quote unquote work with them. Yeah. Um so that was the other piece. And then when we're thinking about places that allow us to tap into really good talent as we like actually think about what does it take to build a category defining company and a company that actually um and and, and a company actually in a place. Um Boston, that was the only thing keeping us in Boston was there's MIT, there's Harvard, right. there's BU, BC, there's like 50 schools. Right. Right. Very all tra- right next to each other. Exactly. <laughs> so like all hungry people, hungry engineers, hungry people for biz dev that, that we could just tap into that really high quality. Chicago with UChicago, with Northwestern, with DePaul, with, with schools like that um, is also a big draw that is not as present in the other places that you would think of for creator stuff. Very cool. So then, so so like, you could, you could move here, and how, how long has it been now that you started the company officially, and now you're in Chicago? Year and a half. Okay, great. 
And so tell us more about the actual product itself and like what you guys are building. Yeah. So what we're building is a way for artists and creators to be more like small businesses. And the idea is that you can use intelligence to understand and tell who your top fans are and and essentially drive more engagement with things like exclusives, offers, discounts, etc. But also be able to tell when fans are about to churn and take steps to re-engage them um, in a way that's very consumer friendly, doesn't require marketing savvy or analytics, and in a way that is very frictionless on the fan side. So fans are receiving content, they're receiving products via email, tech, social platforms, and you on the, on the creator side have this back end that's very self-serve, but very powerful in terms of where rec- this recommendation engine drives mm-hmm. everything and we're essentially giving you actions and automations that allow you to drive more engagement from your fans. So walk us through like the yeah. artist journey, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm a creator. We're a podcast. Actually, we this, are this, creators. This would work yeah. for us perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to sell us out to the We podcast. don't know <laughs> who our 40 listeners are. <laughs> uh, we can help you with 20 of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so walk us through. So we, we, we are currently on Apple Music and Spotify. Yeah. Um, yeah. We want to branch out to more. How do, we, how do we bring Rivet into our workflow? Yeah, so right now what you do is you... Um, since you know someone on the team, we can expedite your... Oh, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Get in line. Yeah. 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 It's like a long, long line. Um, you connect your social platforms. Um, and right now, that's Instagram to start with. You connect where you're doing commerce as a creator so that Shopify, Eventbrite, and what we're starting to do immediately, you can then see, based off of engagement, even on those platforms, who are your top fans. Um, but what we do is then we cluster... Um, people within your your fan base into different segments, people who might be more likely to buy merch or attend a certain show based off of actions that they've taken. And you have these individual friend profiles that are right now tied to emails as unique identifiers. I can tell you this person is the person that has done X action, say came to a show, bought this, and mm. is in X place. Here's how you might like might talk to them about this next thing that you have coming up. And where we're going is actually generating that messaging that content on your behalf um and that's the generative piece that we're really excited about um and content on behalf of the creator based off of the preferences that that they've been engaging with and taking but also based off of what fans have been actively engaging with and the 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 cool thing about this human in the loop system is that we we have that insight into what are creators what recommendations are creators actually taking from us but then on the other side what are fans actually doing as a result and that's making a lot of the recommendations that we provide more accurate as we go forward. So is this, it strikes me that this is maybe capabilities that traditionally like a label would have taken on behalf of artists. That's what I was just going to say, right? yeah. And so it feels to me almost like, as we've seen this fragmentation in the creator economy where fans are getting more specific, artists are getting more specific, um, it's actually possible for more artists to actually like pay the bills right because yeah. you're not subservient to a label it feels like you're providing almost like a label in the box is that like the way that you think about it as it pertains to things like tour management merch all those sorts of things like is that sort of the overarching goal of where this is headed is like we want you to be the we want to be like the one-stop shop for creators to manage their community and their business yeah that's exactly exactly the one-stop shop to manage your community and this notion of a community-driven business is is the thesis yeah. behind the entire company is that you don't necessarily have to have insane distribution to build a, a company uh, or your your company as a creator what you need is just really engage people right. who you understand really well you can tailor your content to but also if you're launching a product line as a creator now you have a lot more insight into the types of things that your community is engaging with and that can even be more more effective so that's also the bigger play is that Right now, we're starting with music and musicians, but what does this mean for podcasters that are building communities, YouTube, TikTok, influencers, but then a lot of brands, and we've seen this with the Prime Hydration drink. Yeah. Um, yep. We've seen these are becoming increasingly, exactly, yeah. increasingly creator-led, and, if, and our wedge is that creator one to two-person team, the consumer actually using the platform, but as they build these businesses, we also would manage the communities for those brands and have also a better chance of making those types of brands successful. And that is like a completely different business. And that's coming, uh, coming out of this one person creator business model into something that's a lot bigger. And 
Rivet also is well positioned to play in that space. Yeah, and I don't yeah. know if it's too much of a stretch, but it feels like there's an opportunity there to perhaps even advise like, hey, maybe maybe it's like predictive analytics almost where it's like you're going to launch this other product or this other thing and like here's sort of the number of people that you think would like be engaged for that sort of thing and based on the amount of engagement you've had in the past like conversion probably looks like xyz right so you can almost start to like be an input to that business plan oh no that that, that that's actually what i was 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 saying in, in the first part of it so the second part is a lot of these creators at a certain scale are building these businesses yeah. and yeah. and then we can be the community management and and strengthening how they actually build the business model around those brands but then for creators who are thinking about starting it what types of products right. how do i release those products what right. within my community can i take advantage of to release these products um that's the the piece that you're talking yeah. about and then on the flip side of that like the marketplace once you, if you get to that scale and get the brands on board then you can offer that same reverse analytics essentially saying hey like your brand your, this product will sell best with like these types of creators oh that's because yeah. we yeah. have the data to say hey we know that they resonate best with that prime drink or whatever it might be yeah uh, that, that i see that, that really... piece is, yeah i actually even when we've talked about it we see that piece before the other piece uh, yeah. because right now we have very clear insight into what their fans are doing right. what they're purchasing how they're that's engaging yeah. and so that's just a plug and play today um, and then the next piece comes after that. So, Very cool. so, so you're going to generate our next collab. That's, oh yeah, for sure. That's, that's what I'm easy. feeling. Yeah. yeah. So the that's the funny boys. thing. We talk about community building, right? <laughs> the like, island boys, we right? just, yeah. The <laughs> we, uh, we were talking a lot about community recently in our own like internal Dollar team meetings club. and like, that's something we want to do. We're going to have events, <laughs> right? We have events happening. We have like coffees happening every, we're going to plug this, but it's every two Thursdays or bi-weeklies on Thursdays. We'll send info, but like, Stuff like that. Are people coming to the events? What do they? What kind of events do they want? I think that'd be really interesting for these kind of community building exercises as well. Yeah, is to like tell us, hey, this will work better than this idea. Yeah. Um, so I can really see you guys potentially plugging into that. Yeah, yeah. But you guys now are like roughly how many people are using? Like obviously, great vision. It sounds like there's sounds like there's a huge wait list. So yeah. So where are we at today? It's mostly you said musicians <laughs> primarily using it, right? Primarily, but there's organic interest that we've seen from podcasters from a couple yeah. of influencers on youtube and tiktok so we know that that's that's guiding the other verticals that we'll go and into is there after. a fee like is it just like a platform fee for the creator to use it or how does it work yeah so it's freemium you join the platform and we charge a commission on sales of content and products and as okay. your community as we prove that the platform works and as your community becomes more engaged and grows on the platform past a certain threshold then we charge a month-to-month -month subscription got it got it I already have a friend that's also a rapper that I'm going to be sending over to you guys. Please so. do. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll expedite him too. Expedite yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get him in front of that queue. And there's about 1,500 uh, creators on the platform right now. Okay. Um, that's awesome. And we're in this open slash private beta stage. If you know someone, it's open. Yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. you, you can sign up for the platform. And, and we're um consistently talking to more creators um about the problems that they're facing yeah and how are you getting in front like what is your main marketing in terms of getting in front of these creators today is it mostly just word of mouth and you guys like getting in front of them literally physically or yeah word of mouth has been big piece uh about 21 percent through referrals and creators just goodwill today so we're actually thinking about how we build an incentive program and an yeah. actual um referral strategy around that um mostly through partnerships so creator organizations that currently provide resources provide um spaces to creators and they're positioning this as kind of a value-added tool to operationalize a lot of the programming that they're giving those creators and how you actually have a tool that can help you build your community so that we've been going through those channels uh with promoters booking agents studios etc and then the the last piece is kind of cold outreach also on tiktok on soundcloud on the hand-to-hand -hand combat that we did very early on that accounts yeah. for a decent amount of people also very cool one thing i noticed you mentioned not you but the, the that was mentioned in my research that i pulled out that is not present on the marketing website that i want to dig more into was <laughs> rewards specifically nfts what has been kind of in the market cycle we're in with crypto right now and web3 what is that interest there are you working actively on developing you know nft drop solutions airdrop solutions or whatever it's definitely on the back burner sure um and when i talked about the um iterations of pivots that rivet's gone through was something that we were considering at a point um i think the consumer appetite has kind of died down a little bit and also the problems that creators are facing today um are a little bit different than even just two years ago 
um, at the height of the pandemic. So lightly exploring, but definitely on the back burner. Yeah. So no creators are coming out asking for this specifically. Not at this present day. Yeah. Mm. What about non-tokenized rewards? Is that- yeah. No, that's big. Um, and and that one of the things. So how we're making the quote unquote CRM slash community management platform not feel like HubSpot or Salesforce is is we're using these engagement scores that account for um how people are engaging with content, their obsession with content and their purchasing and we're we're creating essentially weighted engagement scores that simplify that into a simple score that the creator can see but also that the fan can see. And the idea is that they can also unlock more experiences, more content from their creators favorite creators based off of how engaged they've been in the past so something that might cost x dollars also costs x score and because you're in that um tier of fan support you can unlock that so that's the first layer of that type of reward that we're offering so then talk to me about the the user journey the end user journey right which is i have to now create my own account on rivet no you don't i don't yeah so you receive content products via email via text or social platforms and any engagement that you take we just pipe into the back end and understand we tie it to your unique identifier and make that score visible gotcha yeah. so then how would i manage my rewards with an individual artist so right now there are these community pages which is kind of gotcha. the, the first part when i talked about it was like a website and it was like so there are these community pages where um a lot of the content is outwardly visible to to a fan so when you go to a specific creator's page like that um, and engage with it if you've engaged in the past with your unique identifier which right now is email that flips into something that is specific to you so it's your view of that community page and that's how you'd manage your rewards with respect to that creator so long term i mean kind of going back to dylan's point about the about the labels long term do you see an opportunity to give individual independent artists bargaining power and the ability to operate at the same status as an artist that has a label, or is this is this a tool that helps them get on the radar of a label to go down a traditional route that then they maybe carry with them through that journey? Yeah, the the, the bargaining power piece I think is is the one that we're most focused on right now. I think the only thing maybe that changes the future, but the difference I guess is publishing and distribution in the traditional sense of music that we don't play in. But everything else in terms of how you actually build the business around your art and how you actually build your fan base, manage your community is stuff that we'll own through the stages of the, the artist's career and um, continue to make uh, more efficient as they scale because now we're learning about more people in your community and we're allowing you to even understand those people better and find more like them. And so we see that scaling as the communities grow. That makes sense. And you really have an opportunity to vertically integrate a lot of these other platforms, not only eventbrite yeah but also like you've got the direct relationship with the artist now create your own label or reinvent the label (laughs) (laughs) right no that's that's actually a good point yeah that's pretty exciting yeah yeah and and so like we're as you guys have heard like a little bit of the like big vision stuff yeah we're, we're actively thinking about what makes it more valuable for artists and creators as we continue to build um but keeping in mind also like what that pain is right now today but we have lots of thoughts of, of how that ecosystem expands to to do more of what they need to actually run a real scalable business and really leverage the full power of community beyond how they can today. Gotcha. You're a young founder. You've been <laughs> impressive founder. I mean, you've achieved a lot in a short amount of time. What keeps have you I up? Peaked? Have I peaked? Have I not? No, I'm, not, <laughs> definitely not. No. I'm not even touching that. Um, <laughs> what keeps you up at night? Um... I think very, very clearly uh, showing what are what product market fit some more signals of product market fit to raise our next round is the like north star right now. Yeah. Um, and I know that what comes what le- what leads to that is continue to provide value for our users on the platform right now and seeing them love the product more. So consistently. Um, thinking about ways to build faster, to talk to more users, to make sure that we're doing, we're just on the right path and don't get distracted. Um, and so I think the most thing, the, the main thing that keeps me up is just 
the the day before was I focused on the right sure. thing. Mm. I'm making sure that the next day, like I'm focused on the right thing. Um, I'd say it's the biggest thing. And as we now look to hire a couple people who most likely will be more senior than us because it doesn't take that much to be more senior than us, like <laughs> how to how to do that properly and um not make first time founder mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. So your CEO, yeah. you've got head of engineering. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And then your co-founders and head of product. Head yeah. of product. So okay. what are you what are you looking to fill next? What's, uh, what, first what marketing hire like a mid level marketer mm-hmm. or in lieu of that, um, someone who could be like a fractional CMO and then another full stack engineer. And that marketer is focused on acquisition more than just brand awareness, right? Acquisition pretty much fully. Fully. Um and brand awareness. I I feel like I could do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think you could do. Yeah. I think right now, like and, and one of the, the, the piece of advice I got early is like brand is like getting people onto the platform and them loving it versus like this nebulous notion of like brand awareness. So right. I've always tried to view like acquisition, providing value for them as like that's the brand strategy. And then if people actually love it, they'll go tell people and then organically that'll start to happen versus like other things people think about. I don't know if that's wrong, but that's just how I view things. So I'm struck that like the product, the journey that you've been on all feels very organic. Like (laughs) the way that you found the problem, the way that you found your co-founder, the way that you're engaging with your customers, like it all feels very natural. And so I'm curious, like, and you're like this is a red flag. I think generally speaking, it's a very good sign. Yeah. But I, I think my question is like, obviously from your seat, it's probably been a lot more volatile, right? And all those sorts of things, right? Like, like the ups and downs of every day. Telling the story. Yeah. Calm demeanor. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, I'm going to cry. <laughs> First question is just like, what has been the most surprising thing to you in, in building the business that you didn't expect? And, and I mean, maybe too, like, it sounds like the, even the origin of starting the company was pretty organic. So maybe that's like the surprise, right. Was that you started a company. Uh, that's like first question. And the second one is just like, what's been the biggest challenge so far? Yeah. Okay. Biggest challenge so far. And the first thing is, is what's been most surprising. What's been most surprising. I think uh, just how difficult I think it was to raise first. Mm. Um, also, turnover of people that we've worked with. Mm. Um, and whether or not that's a reflection of me or a reflection of like the market or a reflection of whatever. It was just like there was a... Now there's a lot more stability, but right. early on in like, working with ex-contractor or ex-person or ex-full-time person and just like, growing pains i think at the top um, of the market too yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and I, don't, I don't know who said this you can validate this dylan is the vc in the room right but like too much churn is clearly a red flag yeah too little churn can also yeah also be, be a red flag yeah. people Some comfortable yeah. yeah yeah so there's that um i think that was surprising how just how hard it was to to fundraise um especially just giving like the backgrounds yeah. that we had um right and how much everyone who we who wasn't going to invest but who we like practice with like oh yeah you'll just like the story is great like just go out like it'll... and i was like it's not it's not happening <laughs> that was that was also something that was very surprising and i think just how just how like time um time sort of flies um before people when people would say like oh let's like reconnect in like three months or like that just felt like a really long right time frame three like, months that's a whole like quarter yeah, yeah. Like, we <laughs> and then you look be up. here in three months like yeah. we, like, <laughs> like we should be next week but now seeing that like actually that's pretty fast in, yeah. in startups and um that's something that i've had to learn that that's different um and i think the other surprising thing now this is like on the fourth surprising thing <laughs> i didn't have like linkedin before like i was very much leaning mm. into the eclectic mysterious like right prodigious too cool founder that doesn't need linkedin and it was like a whole big thing when i was doing tech stars like how do you not have linkedin like investors go search you up like they can't like you're like i'm an artist yeah i'm like like, you meet me i'm like a real person but but like having to think and and come out of that brain of like you're like doing all this other stuff you're a rapper like you have this background but like now you actually need to be like the face of the company and there's like 
a brand that's different from your other brand that is like for business purposes right. that you can still try to make or authentic to who you are to the extent that you can which is why like this is how i interact even though i'm like wearing this like button up zip up thing um trying to like find that balance and that's something i struggled with um mm. early on i probably still do um figuring out that that part needs to exist and i need to how to be a whole human whole person yeah and consciously yeah. think about that often um was was surprising because i thought like i don't know there's many stories of people who like don't conform and like have whatever but someone also told me that like you kind of need to earn the right to like do things like that right like, to change the i guess playbook and like not follow the rules like not have linkedin and i was right. like you need to earn the right and just before then you just need to do what the 98 percent of founders do so um that was something that was surprising that i tried out first a little bit didn't work and now i'm like being like a regular founder um i can validate that on just still learning how to use linkedin oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah see see, see this now, is now a, we know what, now, now we, we know really why. yeah exactly yeah. See, see? he backs it up so like you guys can check everything i'm saying is credible um and the other piece um what was well i mean you covered off on both i mean Basically, it was struggles and yeah. surprises and i think yeah. we got okay, okay. I think we got a few yeah. of each Amazing. yeah and what was a struggle i think I think just um um building muscle around like the things that you need to to do often uh that don't necessarily have immediate payback. So mm. if you're going through like a a process to hire someone, like a lot of it is like reaching out and like having early conversations and you might not necessarily close a hire for a while but you just need to keep yeah. chugging through mm -hmm. doing that and just like learning that like you that having to wait to see the result type thing and just like following the process and i guess that's also the same as fundraising yep chugging through a bunch of calls chugging through a bunch of almost and then it, it, for the longest time it's like zero dollars it's like trusting the process and, yeah. my entire yeah. like so learning to like trust the process and actually like build process and do things that involve process without like with some view to checking in on what the outcomes are, but not thinking that outcomes come immediately and just right. really doing the process. Yeah. So you've been in Chicago for a year and a half now. No. Three, like three, a month three, and a half. Three months yeah. ago. A month and a half. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, a month and a half. Okay. I apologize. Yeah. Well, I thought. Okay, well, the, 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 all the press release about you was like three months ago, right? No, it's February. I, oh, it's three only, months goes by fast. I guess it goes by slow. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway. we'll find, find this whole podcast yeah. for three months. That's yeah. <laughs> like a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> we would have uh, met sooner. <laughs> okay, well, in the, in the month that you've been yeah. in Chicago, where's your, where's your go-to music spot right now? Ooh, Ooh. I haven't found one. Really? Yeah. Uh, to like listen to music? Whatever, yeah, like whatever, shows, whatever you preferred. I haven't found one yet. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, so now I need we a recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. been like very much like meet the people in the area, grab coffees, yeah. like have them over at the office. Yeah. Like, you haven't had the time. I haven't had time to that, like actually okay. explore. And we also live pretty close to like walking distance um, from here. So it's really easy to not leave here right. at yeah. all. So it's very hard to, to start, leave this yeah. particular area if you live here and work here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as yeah. someone who also lives yeah, and works exactly. here. Yeah, so exactly. Start having your meetings at music venues. That'll Ooh. be your disruption and, and yeah, your, yeah, your yeah, ramp yeah. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. But you also haven't had a Chicago summer yet. So I'm just going to be curious to see how you I actually have a question about that. Oh, yeah, so the question? I, I think, so Boston is super cold year-round yep. and then gets really hot in the summer yeah and same here yeah but mm. throughout my time living in boston no one ever was like oh you really need to experience a mm. summer in boston but like 20 people have said that about chicago yeah and i need to know like what's different it's it's a little more moderate than boston so like i grew up in houston and it's hot there all the time yeah um chicago doesn't really get that hot there's always a nice breeze off the lake. Like it's you'll get a few days. There are days we're human too, but I think what you're asking is more so like why? Yeah, everyone's like summertime. Yeah. Oh, because everyone loses their mind. No so every neighborhood has a block crazy. party, okay. right? So you just like spin yourself. Just go to every like go to Does see this... every neighborhood's block party. Go to Pilsen. Go to Bucktown. Did you see what party. happened last week when yeah. the weather all of a sudden became summer for a week? 
Like people are just outside. Everybody. But that happens in Boston too. Like yeah, people yeah, are just like outside. The, the extent it goes from basically the zero to one hundred in the summer of Chicago. And, and you're Everyone's gonna have to get out on a boat all the, the time, every day. There's something to do. There's these block parties. There's you're a ton of festivals, street pen. festivals. Block parties and festivals, I think, is different. Yeah. What'd you say? There's so you got to take a boat out in the playpen. Yeah. Like get all the. I mean, dude, so drive the, portfolio company. Are you aware? My new boat. Yeah, yeah. Are you aware of the playpen? No. Because I have a question. Was it named? because Playboy used to be in the like in one of the high rises right I behind have, it. I have no context. I have no idea. <laughs> so that, that would hopefully that'd be a great story. Yeah, if that's true. Though. I've never personally hung out in the playpen, but it is the it is the harbor yeah. by North <laughs> Ave Beach, right? It's or, sort oh, of like the armpit between the pier and like north the north. <laughs> North hey, Avenue. You'll see. Yeah. In the yeah, I was gonna say like you, you guys will say boats. things now, all and I will like boats. nod like I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, I literally have no idea. Like yeah. literally, all, I know this. Straight. All, all you need <laughs> to know is when somebody says, "Hey, do you want to come on the boat in the playpen?" Say yes. You're just yes. like, "Yes." <laughs> yeah. Cancel all the other yeah. plans. What time? <laughs> say yes and show up because yeah. it'll be a good time. But literally, all the boats park there. And just basically big parties on. If you ever done like the boating in Austin, for example, similar situation. They all congregate in the same place. It's like a big party essentially, yeah, that and cool. that happens in the summer pretty much every day. Every day, yeah. yeah. Um, on Mondays, M- Mondays, Tuesdays, mean, whatever like, day you dude, want, you'll see boats there. Believe me, I've, I've had to run to like uh, appointments at like two o'clock on a Wednesday, right? Like go to a doctor's appointment or something, and like I have to get on Lakeshore Drive right there and drive up to my neighborhood, yeah. and I literally pull onto Lakeshore Drive, and there's like 50 boats in the playpen. And you're like, yeah. who are these people that <laughs> yeah. have two o'clock on a Wednesday yeah. are out in their boats? Yeah. That's the goals, though, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're boats. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But no, the summer. So again, like the city just becomes really alive. There's a million things to do, and I think because it's so cold most of the year, everyone just really wants to enjoy the the three four months of amazing weather that we do have. So you'll see. I'm excited for you, but also Please hopefully your productivity doesn't get destroyed because it yeah. is very hard to stay focused <laughs> to get anything done. in the summer, in particular in these neighborhoods. Yeah, exactly. it doesn't keep me up at night. It doesn't yeah. get like the New York City where like everybody leaves during the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's still pretty active, right? I mean, like around the holidays, of course, it gets a little dead, right? But like there's a ton of energy because everybody wants to stay here in the summer because yeah. the weather is amazing. Yeah, yeah. there's a You're lot not- to do, like Martin said, and like you can travel in the winter. Right. Yeah, 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 that's true. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for invites to the playpen from you guys. Then. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, on amazing having you on. Share your email if you want people to send you invites. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and at r i v e t a p p dot co rivet app dot co. Uh, LinkedIn this is just my name. Awesome. Um, and, what about yeah. your music? My music is uh, S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E space F-A-Y-E-M-Z, Solstice Fyams. Um, I have a video on Sunday coming out. I don't know when this is coming out, actually. but So maybe when you hear this, it'll be already out. Yeah. Uh, and my album, In Summertime Shy. So get excited. Love it. <laughs> right. Fantastic. Cool. Super excited to watch your professional success, whether that's in tech or music. Or both. Or both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Alex. All right.